The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, welcome back to Brutal Nation. As you already know, my name is Scott Alexander, and right across from me is the one, the only, Tammy, the platypus Underwood. Say hi, you duck beaver. <laughs> you know, I'm surprised that's not the official, you know, animal of Oregon. You would think, because we have the Oregon Ducks and we have the, the or- Oregon State Beavers. And the Oregon State yes. Beavers. You would think they would just come together, work together, and we would be, like, it would be like the Oregon State Platypus. You would think, but no, that's not the case. <laughs> that, that, that's actually brilliant. That's not the case at all. I never thought about that before, like I for know. real. That's fucking hilarious. I know, huh? All right, so let's get on with yeah. part three of the Allentown massacres and tattoos on the forehead and jackasses yeah. that write diaries about who, them killing people. No, they'll never yeah. touch me. With, they'll never find, read my diary because it says private. Duh. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, anyways, of course, you know the DA is trying to strengthen his case now, right? Um, so while he's waiting for the DNA results on Ben's shirt he decided to send his investigators out to learn what they could about all three defendants. Um, But he was especially interested in Ben. They heard from people who knew the brothers and knew the brothers about the death threats they had made and their motive for killing their little brother, Eric. I'm sure he was interested in Ben, by the way. Dear Tyree, I saw him across a a crowded courtroom. He was there, head shaved. Looking all sexy, like a conviction. It said berserker on his head. My nipples got hard. And I said, you can berserker me anytime there, studly neo-Nazi man. Zig my Heil. <laughs> you know what sucks is I can't scratch my shoulder. <laughs> because your hand's all fucked up. I know. It's, I'm over here trying. I'm like contortioning. Okay, anyways, yet nobody seemed to know anything about Ben Birdwell. Or had they heard him issue any sort of threats? So about a month after they were arraigned, uh, Vasquez went to the federal courthouse in Philadelphia to meet with a guy by the name of Ivan Smith, a man who had been incarcerated with Ben in Lehigh County Prison for two days. He said that Ben had confided in him some details of the crime. Oh, you know, these jailhouse confessions. <laughs> you also, you almost want to, like, take out that, uh, remember Craigslist, how they had the missed opportunities or whatever they call them? Misconnections, yeah. Misconnections, yeah. I used yeah. to love reading those because it was... Uh, they were stupid. Some of them were really romantic, but other ones were like, you had a mohawk and you were walking in iguana. I was on a unicycle with nipple tassels and wearing a tail. Plugged in, of course. We made eye contact for 1.5 seconds. You yelled, ah, a unicycle. I yelled, ah, a lizard. I think I'm in love. (laughs) Message me. Hit me up. (laughs) Stupid shit, man. (laughs) According to this guy... According to Ivan Smith, Ben insisted that the brothers committed the murders and that he had nothing to do with it. That was just pillow talk. They finished making some loving. Yeah. I tell you what, that was excellent. But the other the brothers killed them, not me. Now, can you spank my ass again? I've been a naughty boy. Call me Charlie. (laughs) Call me call me Amy. 
I like that. Oh, yes. Oh, stop it. Okay. I mean, berserker of love. Stop. Anyways, he said that uh, the murders had been planned for a while and that the brothers had used knives, bats, and clubs to kill their family. Now, he did recount what he knew, and he said he described Brenda as screaming while she laid on the floor lay on the floor and a fact that contradicted the accounts that were given by the brothers. Ben also discussed his plan to say that he fled with the brothers because he was scared. You know what just came to my mind? Because we're we're only a couple months away from Christmas. What? But the list you just gave me. On the first day of massacre, my brother gave to me a baseball bat for our mommy. (laughs) Oh my God, you're horrible. (laughs) Now... The it's no, coffee, it helps. What, what you should note here is that the three of them apparently discussed committing these murders while they were at Wendy's having dinner. Over a square burger, they they talked about killing the family. Ben said that... Over a square burger, they came up with a well-rounded idea. <laughs> ben said that the victims deserved to die. That made it a clear case of first-degree murder. He also said, hey, I drove them to Ohio, which contradicted his claims that he was scared for his life and only went along because he was frightened of them. Well, maybe. Maybe, maybe they were yeah. like, hey, you drive, motherfucker, you know, because we have Berserker tattooed on our head. And he was like, I better do that because I'm scared for my life. I better do some driving. Yeah. So no matter what. No matter what his involvement was, he wasn't just a witness to a crime of opportunity. He was there, he was present throughout the whole thing, and he helped the fugitives flee. Now, as as this was unfolding, of course, uh, Jeffrey was going to go on trial too. Now, Jeffrey's trial start, Jeffrey Howarth, you know, the 16-year-old, his trial started July of 1995. His attorney, Dennis Charles, decided to use the insanity defense. Of course. He's crazy. Yeah. Crazy, I say. He believed that something in his client snapped. Hey, it makes sense. They, they, they first planned to go to Florida. So that is This actually... is a different case. This is the other case. Oh, this is the other case. Yeah, okay, the... no. Okay. Yeah. But, you, you know. should have used the Florida defense. I know. But you have to keep this in mind, people. The insanity defense rarely works. I mean, there is so much you have to prove to prove that you're insane. And it's not right? just one shrink that talks to no, you. No, it's is... like a buttload of them. And I didn't even know about that until we started doing this show. I mean, I always thought it was like one quarter-pointed shrink that comes back and says, yep, that motherfucker there is crazy. No, you got to go through. I think it's like three. I think it's yeah, I think I think standard. it's a minimum of three. Yeah, yeah, I think that's like the 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 kind of the yeah. standard one defense, operators. one court, and one prosecuting yeah. psychiatrist. And if they yeah. all come back and say, "Yeah, dude, he Psycho. is fucking nuts," yeah. and probably didn't know what he was doing, they can, yeah, he's insane. Put him in a state hospital. Yeah, but if one of them comes back, like if two of them say, "Yeah, he's crazy," and one of them comes back and says, "Ha ha, look, jackholes." This guy fucked you all over. He is not crazy. He knew what he was doing. Then the court's going to go, okay, you know what? Death penalty. Let's just. Yeah, which happened with Arthur Shawcross, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Arthur Shawcross tried to say, I'm crazy. I'm hearing voices and I'm split personality. Yeah. And uh, uh, I think only one of the attorneys, or not attorneys, uh, psychiatrists said, yeah, he's crazy. The other two went, um. Nope, not this. This dude's not hearing shit. 
this guy is more full of shit than he's a fucking outhouse. He's playing like a fiddle. Yeah, he, he's full of shit like a fucking full outhouse. That's what he's like. Yeah. So, and keep in mind, like I said, that this defense rarely works. And in fact, it had only worked once before in that county alone. Now, the prosecution team was headed up by Douglas Richley, R-E-I-C-H-L-E-Y. He was drunk. Uh, I Richley. <laughs> That's how I made all my money. I became Richley. Ah. Yeah. He actually used the notes that Jeffrey left behind say, saying that he was looking for attention and wanted to become famous. His true heart, they said, was darker than anybody could ever realize. See, that sounds like the intro to a movie that right? I would watch, like a, like a horror movie. His heart was darker than his parents suspected. David DeCaprocock in Dark Hearts. Yeah, exactly. Now, the jurors in his trial agreed that he probably was a troubled youth and he was immobilized by his situation. He displayed no emotions. A defense psychiatrist said that he could be mentally ill. He had a learning disability and a brother who set high standards. It's not uncommon in these kinds of cases to find a sibling rivalry that is implicated. The perpetrator of the parasite frequently being someone who can't live up to the example of a sibling or the expectations of the parents. Okay, hold the horn. I got to play more than devil's advocate on that. Okay. Okay, so as we both know, my son's autistic. Okay, he's got Asperger's, which is Yeah, autism. he's on the spectrum, yes. You know, um, yet, and he has learning disabilities. Right. And in a structured environment, which I'm sure this, this guy must have had. Right. Um, Jake thrived. I mean, straight A's, freaking, you know, genius stuff. During the pandemic, when he had to learn remotely, he fell apart. He fell apart because the structure was gone. So, I find it hard to believe that with a learning disability, that it caused all this shit. Because learning disability or being on the spectrum or whatever, that's not a good enough excuse. We make the choices that we make. I set high expectations for my kids, super high. And it wasn't debilitating for them because right. structure. Okay, well, so yeah, they just, see a child will rise to your expectations too. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know. Um. Sorry, coffee got to me. I had to burp. Um. I have another one stuck in there somewhere. Okay, I think that's better. I was all gurgly like your belly. I know. Um, I've been fighting it down. I don't want Brian to make fun. And of I me can't again. fight this feeling anymore. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um. So, yeah, I don't care what his attorney says. It just sounds like a a bucket of bullshit. You know, he oh, he had a learning disability. You know what? Most kids do on some level. Exactly. Exactly. Um, hang on. Let me. What the fuck are you doing over there? I have to tell her I'm recording. I need to put up cameras so I can see what you're actually doing on the other side of the desk. No, I don't want you to know what I'm doing over here. Uh, maybe I don't want to know what you're doing. No. You're doing weird-ass fucking no. Sasquatch shit. I can't do weird-ass Sasquatch shit. My hand doesn't work. <laughs> I just want you to know that I feel... Half your sex life is gone? Hindered, yes. <laughs> Smart-ass. You can't run through the trees. You and Todd are being mean to me. Do you know what Jen Dahl said? I have to put this out there. You know what Jen Dahl said to me? Uh, what did that sweet Jen, angel do? Don't sit there and say she's a sweet angel. You said she was psycho the last episode. Only I can call her a psycho okay, because I'm going to well, put is. this out there because, you know, I love my Jen Dahl. 
But she literally told me, don't worry, Tammy, you'll be back to masturbating in no time. <laughs> yeah, that's what Jen Dahl said to me. I just want you all to know that's that what I fu- put up with people. That is so fucked up, but that is fucking hilarious. I know. I'm surprised you didn't come up with that. I'm actually <laughs> shocked myself. God damn. Yeah. That's it. I, I mean, I have very little range of motion. I'm going to have to ask Jen if she'll marry me. <laughs> Holy shit. That's, that's pretty fucking epic. Yeah. So, anyways, <laughs> squishy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. You marry me because you're squishy. You're squishy. Okay, so, anyways. More squishy than my sister. <laughs> Dr. Timothy Michaels, a psychiatrist, interviewed Howard and learned that thoughts about parasite had first occurred to this boy when he was five years old. It was the same. He was. It was at that same time that he had diagnosed with a brain disorder that gave him learning disabilities. Although he had expected to wait until he was like 30 years old, then use a knife or some other sharp implement to hack them to death. But he was inspired by the Freemans and their crimes. And he realized he just couldn't hack it. (laughs) Right? Even though he had no allegiance to skinheads or the neo-Nazis, in fact, he deplored racism. Jeffrey's father was a Boy Scout leader and a Sunday school teacher, and his mother was a homemaker and reportedly loving towards him. The crime made no sense, apart from him having an untreated mental illness that hindered his appreciation that what he was doing was wrong. Okay, now that I can agree with, because I don't know what his mental condition was, but if certain areas of his brain were inhibited, then, yeah, um... You know, uh, being able to form proper bonds with his parents. Right. The, the, maybe he has the inability to really, or had, well, I'm, I'm assuming he's still alive, but um, maybe he has the inability to really get the whole scope of the bigger picture of, of, of the actions that he wants to do. He's obviously, if he's had these thoughts since he was five years old, um, that lends credence to the not forming, you know, uh, bond with your parents so okay i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of believing that now okay i'm 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 on board with this guy right well and that's that's the thing right here is that um jeffrey's attorney actually played up the manic nature of jeffrey's condition because he had overreacted just days before when he was brushing his teeth and his gum started bleeding um, so when his gum started bleeding, he went into a fit of rage and threatened to kill his brother. He'd also suffered some academic setbacks when he received low SAT scores. He failed a Spanish test and he was re- he was failing several other classes. He believed the attorney believed that his parent that no, I'm sorry, Jeff, according to Jeffrey's attorney, Jeffrey believed that his parents would be very disappointed over his failures although he could pinpoint no behavior that they actually would be, because it's not like they expressed this disappointment before. He also showed no remorse, which made the defense for insanity difficult, right? So Judge William Ford instructed the jury about the requirements for finding for a finding of not guilty by reason of insanity, and they deliberated for four days. When they returned, they they sentenced him to be evaluated, a three-month evaluation, um, 
at the Norristown State Hospital, and it was also noted in the paper that because of that, uh, because he was found not guilty by reason of insanity, he was now eligible to receive half of his inheritance, half of the his parents' estate as an inheritance. All right. All right. So yeah. So that's how that trial ended. Well, while um, that trial was going on, Steinberg um, offered Ben a plea of murder, one with the death penalty off the table, but Ben refused it, maintaining that he was innocent. Then on July 24th, David's lawyers claimed that David had been suffering from mental infirmity at the time of the crime, and they were prepared to offer an insanity plea. In addition, public defenders for both of the brothers filed papers regarding Steinberg's failure to keep to the terms of the plea deal. They stated that when he offered a confession, Brian had relied on the Michigan authorities to do things properly. In addition, David's attorneys insisted that the death penalty for a 15-year-old was cruel and unusual punishment. And then in 2005, of course, the Supreme Court agreed to that. They also stated that David had been under the influence of narcotics when he gave his confession. But then something happened to shift everything in the DA's favor. Ben claimed that he went along with what the Freeman brothers were doing in order to protect his own life because he was afraid that Brian might kill him. But the brothers actually contradicted that statement. And on July 27th, the Pennsylvania State Crime Lab announced a finding that supported the brothers' version of the story. The blood spatter found on the T-shirt that Ben had worn that night uh, matched Dennis Freeman's blood. The original story that Ben had told was clearly false. He had, he had to have been in the room when Dennis was attacked and standing close enough for the blood to hit him. So his, his statements that he was in the basement were obviously false. I've seen any of that, too. Let me tell you why. Okay. Okay, so maybe he's in the basement, right? The other two attack, get blood all over him because it's, it's a messy job. And it's just they, they touched him contacted him, rubbed against him, and some of the blood just kind of got on him. But they said it was spat or not transfer. Okay, uh, maybe they were heavily blooded or whatever. And blooded. I don't fucking know what the hell to call it. And, <laughs> I mean, th- there's all kinds of way blood spotter okay. can get on there. I'm just saying. Well, well, uh, I will say that Steinberg did change uh, Ben's charges to three counts of first-degree murder because the coroner believed that three weapons were involved in implicating three different killers. So he pieced to get to get there a scenario that made more sense based on the weapons and the blood evidence. According to his theory, Brian had stabbed his mother while David and Ben had gone together to kill Dennis and Eric. He also believed that Ben had slammed Brenda with the same pickaxe handle that he had used on Eric because it bore traces of blood from both of them. While Eric's blood was not found on anyone's clothing, a hair consistent with his was picked off a jersey that Brian had worn that night. In any event, there was good reason to believe that Ben, one of the, quote, three musketeers, had been every bit as involved as the other two were. Although his attorney quickly countered that being present in the room where Dennis was being killed did not prove that he had acted on that murder, or it showed that he might have been trying to stop the murder. Um... But Steinberg said that he intended to convict all of the boys separately because he could use the statements each had given against the others in their own trials. 
Now, Joe Vasquez continued to question everyone he could find who had known the defendants. He heard a number of stories about how much they hated their parents. He also met with a guy by the name of Todd Reese, who had been in Lehigh County Prison with Ben and offered more information that Ben had said he'd help Brian kill Brenda. Ben said he also allegedly admitted that the murders had been planned and now his description of the crime had changed in this new version he allegedly distracted brenda so that brian could attack her from behind he said that dennis and eric had been killed first as the coroner believed and that brenda had been the most difficult one to kill but ben had added that he'd been scared of brian and steinberg was not sure what to do with that statement but he thought it might help him at some point Now, David's juvenile certificate hearing took place on September 5th, but he and his attorneys decided to withdraw it. In the end, they decided his chances of being transferred were slim, and the downside was that they'd have to lay out their entire case at that hearing. That meant that the DA would know their strategy, and if it went to trial in an adult court, they would be at a disadvantage. So they decided to just roll the dice and have them tried in an adult court. Um, on November 14th, they argued in court that uh, Steinberg had, had reneged on his agreement and all the parties involved with the initial statements the boys made in Michigan told of everybody's involvement. Um, the judge urged Steinberg to make a deal, but he, he fought. He resisted. He thought he had a good, good case politically. It was better for him to take it all the way than to make a deal. But Michigan-based skinhead Frank Hess was there to testify that David had been drunk and high on marijuana prior to being arrested and giving his confession. That placed his competency into doubt. And the judge took all of that into consideration and said that he would give his ruling later. Then on December 7th, Brian surprised everybody by ending the proceedings. He admitted in court that he had murdered his mother and he received a life sentence and he would not have, and he also made the deal that he would not have to testify against his brother or his cousin. David notified his attorneys that he wanted the same deal, and a week later, despite their cautions against it, he was in court for the same reason. He admitted that he killed his father, but said he did not know why. Both brothers just wished to get it over with and decided to sidestep the death penalty by taking the deal. Um, Then it came out that David's attorneys had not received the statement made by Todd Reese in which he'd said that Ben had told him that David had not been the killer of Dennis. And as shaky as the statement's credibility was with its inconsistencies, it still left doubt for David's case. So the attorneys were furious at not being told this. And had they known, they would have prevented David from taking the plea bargain. They wanted to bring this to someone's attention, but Ben's trial was already in progress. So who knew, given all the surprises, what that might reveal? Besides, getting David's case reopened also renewed the possibility of more serious consequences if he went to trial. Now, um, uh, as a... And Ben's defense, um, his attorneys called several people who had heard Brian and David make threats against their parents. But when they were cross-examined, some said that Ben might have been the leader of their little hate group. Um, the psychologist Peter, uh, this is a good name, Peter Baggio, 
and a psychiatrist. Once again, it sounds like a venereal disease, I know. dude. I got the Peter Look, Baggio. The psychologist was Peter Baggio, and the psychiatrist was Peter Bloom. There's too many <laughs> there Peters going on. Too many Peters going on. Oh my there. God, it's a Peter fest. <laughs> Keep your Peter to yourself. Yeah. They, they were called to the stand to testify as to Ben's mental state at the time of the crimes and directly afterwards. They said that he developed acute stress disorder and as a result of the mur- murders and rather than call the police and f- he fled with the brothers from fear that they uh, would hurt him as well. They also testified that his IQ assessments had him borderline mentally retarded. Okay. Now, the DA raised the issue that stress disorder tests must be performed shortly after the event, not years later. So that made the results less credible. And then he made certain the jury realized how silly one doctor's explanation was when he said that Ben's use of a false name for the hotel registry was a symptom of stress. Obviously, it was to hide their identities, right? You would think. I mean, nobody. hey, we're wanted by the law. Uh, What's your name? Scott Alexander, huh? That's weird. I was just watching the news, and they said that somebody named Scott Alexander is wanted by the FBI. Yeah, isn't that a coinky thing? Yeah, weird, huh? And he was a fat, bald fucker with a long goatee. Isn't that weird? Just like you, I isn't that just a coincidence? Son yeah, of a bitch. That's a mystery. <laughs> you better be calling some Scooby Doo or some shit, buddy, because that god dang, we need to solve that mystery. We have some blue clues moments or something. Yeah. So another issue that was was brought up in Ben's trial was his girlfriend's car. Now, the driver's side seat cover had been changed, and the DA believed that it had been done the night of the murders when he drove the car back before he fled to Michigan with the boys, and that he had gotten blood on it from his jeans, the jeans that they said they tossed out the window. Um, But uh, Carol, which was Ben's girlfriend, said that she not only threw away the seat cover several weeks before the murders because it was dirty, but it also recognized the jeans that Ben wore as jeans she had washed before, but she was wrong. He had indeed purchased a new pair in Ohio, and that, that did not look good for her testimony. It's like she was like lying on the stand for him. On April 24th, for the defense, blood spatter pattern expert Neil Hoffman stated that the blood found on Ben's shirt could have been exhaled across the room by Dennis or it could have traveled that far from the blows about 8 to 11 feet he also said he also testified that Dr. Barbara Rowley's blood spatter experiments were not reliable or replicable Uh, the DA got Hoffman to admit however that he had not conducted his own experiments to prove that did Hoffman go on to the Peters I, I don't know. <laughs> he was Hoffman Peters? <laughs> I guess. <laughs> I'm just asking for a friend, just for clarification for a friend. Now, during the rebuttal of this mental illness I, testimony, he, I'm ignoring he you. He was rebuttaling some Peters. I got you. I'm picking up what you're laying down, you yeah. kinky fuck. Yeah. Um, a nurse at the Lehigh County Prison testified that Ben was intelligent enough to have filled out a medical history sheet, and a school psychologist denied that he was mentally retarded. I mean, and I'm just saying this because that's the legal definition. Okay, I'm mentally people? retarded. Stop it. What? I don't know what nothing. Scott, I'm going to come over there and I'm going to hit you. You can't because that right there would be a hate crime because I'm retarded. Stop it. Okay. Dr. Robert Gordon, a clinical psychologist from the area and a renowned expert on the MMPI 2 and, personality test. And Peters. 
Stop it. Said that Ben showed only normal signs of anxiety, nothing extreme, and in fact, the test supported the diagnosis of psychopathic personality. That meant Ben could probably deceive others with skill and would not be hindered by guilt or remorse. Um, According to one reporter, uh, Gordon said, there are no signs he felt residual anxieties at the time of the crimes. Ben... was time to wrap things up and on April 25th 1996 during closing arguments his attorney stressed that there was clearly reasonable doubt in this case and he re-emphasized Ben's alleged low IQ and stress disorder while the DA argued that Ben had been a willing accomplice in three murders but even if they believed it was only one he was still a killer they sent this to the jury and who listened to the judge's instructions and they deliberated um, for and they only deliberated for a day. Uh, ben was found guilty of first-degree murder of Dennis Freeman, but was found not guilty in the murders of Brenda and Eric. He was sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole. In the end, no one was ever convicted of killing Eric. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? So each year, Jeffrey... Now, here's an update on Jeffrey Howard. Each year, Jeffrey, the other boy who murdered his parents, is reevaluated to determine if he can be freed. But as in 2004, Judge Ford indicated Howard continues to suffer from severe mental illness. His psychiatrist at Norristown states that Howard has made little progress in understanding the nature of his crime or what he must do to be released. Uh, she said, it's like there's a vacuous, I, I can't even pronounce it. V-A-C-U-O-U-S-N-E-S-S. Vocacious? Vocosness? Vocusness? I don't know. Um, an emotional shell. Now, a therapist who works with him... Viciousness? Told, it's like he's vacant. Okay. Yeah, like there's a, a vacancy sign there. I hate when they use them $5 words. Yeah. Nice car. So apparently a therapist who works with him has told reporters that he suffers from stunted growth in his cognitive processing skills, especially at emotional levels. He's been given some responsibilities, which he performs well, but he still likes violent movies and fails to understand what he did. But that makes sense. I mean, yeah. think, think, uh, it makes sense because of him having the not being able to form right those bonds right uh and uh and and having you know he's a fucking retard yeah well and that's just it is you know he he does receive medications and he goes to group therapy and he's in intensive counseling for anger management and the hope is that one day he can return to society but i'm believing at some level he probably never will you know kind of like um I shouldn't even be in society, to be honest. I know. That's evident by today. Because <laughs> um, of Peters? No. And Peters? Everything you say can and will be held against you. Um, no, but um, like Ed Gein. Remember how he was deemed, you know, mentally insane or legally uh, insane? gotcha. That at no point do I think they will ever be able to return to society because they wouldn't be able to function in society if they can't tell right from wrong. So... That's where I'm at. Anything you want to add? No, because you won't let me talk about retards or... Stop it! Huffing Peters. I'm going to hit you. 
You can't. I can't hit you with my right arm, but I can hit you with my left. <laughs> See? See, I know your weak side now. You know what I'll do? I'll just tap your right arm, and you'll be like, motherfucker, you win. I told you. Like a ninja. Tap out. <laughs> I'm going to tap out now. <laughs> no, I don't think there's anything I can add. I just, I think that, I just really think this kid is really mentally fucked up. I think he is, too. Like, to where he probably doesn't realize the, the, the larger scope of things. Yeah. Um, and has diminished capacity. Yeah. Um, that's it. I mean, that's all I can think of right now. My brain's blank. I'm caffeinated. Fucking over here just ready to rock myself out of the goddamn chair. Are you rocking back and forth in the fetal position? Like we thought. Stop it! I'm going to hit you. You can't hit me any crime. <laughs> I'm going to hit you so hard. <laughs> just wait. Just wait. Your day's coming, Scott Alexander. Oh, I know. Believe me, somebody's going to kill me eventually. Yes, it'll be me. <laughs> you ready to wrap this one up? I, I was ready. All right. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs. Uh, log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. You can interact with us. You can tell me how much of an asshole I am. It's all He's good in the hood. Just don't be a stalker. Um, oh, my God. <laughs> I knew you'd like that one. Don't be a stalker and shut down my Facebook. Uh, good times. It's good times. Good times. <laughs> I hate you. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. And if you're hearing this on anybody else's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio. Okay. I was just waiting. God, it was a long fucking pause. I was, I was waiting for you to say it, but then I realized you weren't. No. Okay. That works for me. If you're in this on anybody's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio and those that we've authorized, and they're lying. David Bastards. Bastards. And we will talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye, everybody.